Welcome into another edition of Perpetually Correct. I'm joining the booth by Kyle Beats. Uh, JMac is out on assignment for the company. So, Kyle, how are we doing this evening? Doing good, man. Excited to be back in here. I know we're uh, we're a day behind because of schedules, but let's be honest. I don't think we missed a whole lot on this uh, this Thursday game that's currently going on. Even though it looks tight, it's uh, certainly not the sexiest matchup. No, it's not. And to your point, I mean, this time of the year, what are we, week eight of the NFL, week nine slash 10, however you want to consider it in college football. It's kind of a grind, Cal. I mean, you're, even fantasy pickups kind of seem like a grind. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm looking at guys I've never heard of, you know, Ty Johnson for Detroit <laughs> becoming relevant. I mean, this is a guy, the only reason I knew who Ty Johnson was before the year is I'm in an, in an NFC North-only fantasy football league. What is that? Oh, well, okay. So that's the Midwest roots right there, because that makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, and it is a four-man league. Okay. It's <laughs> makes it a little better. Every, it, pretty much I own the Detroit Lions, which is just saddening. But, uh, you, but at this point, Kyle, isn't it kind of a grind to you looking every week for waivers? You're looking at guys like, I, this is just kind of mentally drained. Well, dude, I mean, this week was brutal for me. I'm in five leagues, and I have carry-on in three. A lot of carry-on stock, big on him. New health was a risk, though, so he's my number two in every league. But, yeah, I'm looking to pick him up. It's like Ty Johnson or McKissick. I've never seen these guys take a carry. I'm like, I like Ty Johnson's hair a little more, projected a little better. I'll take him. Yeah, I mean, they really did like him, actually, in the preseason, if you did some reading. Um, But we we saw last year kind of the same deal where when uh, Ty Johnson went – or not Ty Johnson, carry-on Johnson went down. Detroit struggled a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. But um, I, I know our listeners are, are a little bit concerned for you too, Kyle. You mentioned you had a, a futures taken on the Houston Astros. They kind of taken a whooping here early on in this series. Uh, you get, are you, you thinking about turning to be a, a Washington Nationals fan or what's your thoughts here? Man, so I, after game one, I was fine. I, I really was 2-0. I was looking at, you know, because I'm, I'm a casual fan for baseball where you and Justin are really, sure. really knowledgeable. But just looking at the research, uh, teams that start off 0-2 in the World Series, you know, time hasn't been favorable to them. So I'm a little nervous about it. I still think I put money on the more um, experienced and the more talented team. So I'm not upset with myself. I'm just shocked because, I mean, we, we threw Cole and Verlander the first two games, right? Uh yeah, Garrett Cole went game one, Verlander game two. Right. So the fact that we can't go one and one in those does not make me feel good. You know, Granke yeah. is in a um, historically great uh, postseason pitcher. Not not as bad as Verlander, apparently, but not feeling great about this, man. But unless we go down 0-3, I'm not going to I'm not going to feel too nervous, because like I said, I think we got the better team, and the better bats. Um, last night was shocking. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, we're excited. I think uh, J-Mac's been doing a lot of coverage with oh, yeah. uh, Ben Baseball. You know, be looking for their live streams over the weekend. Certainly follow the Outfielder podcast for all the up-to-date baseball updates. Uh, Cal, we got the NBA kicked off, too, uh, a couple nights ago. You know, I'm curious on just some quick thoughts from you on the West. You know, outside of, obviously, the Lakers and Clippers, is there a team that coming into the season you're keying in on? It seems like, you know, Denver, Utah has been some popular names. Oh, yeah. Who's your non-LA team that you think can come out of the West? Well, let me let me just first of all start by saying on on the break our basketball podcast, I picked the Clippers to to come out of the West. Um, right, right, and that's why I said non-LA. So uh, well, yeah, well, hold on. Yeah. So let me get to this point real quick. Jo- Josh picked uh, the Lakers. I had the Lakers fifth in the West. Wow, fifth. and I'm, and LeBron is my favorite 
player in the NBA and they're fifth in the West at best. That's that surrounding cast is trash. And we saw it last night, dude. I mean, AD was, uh, or was that two nights ago? Yeah. Two nights ago, AD was unstoppable in the post. Danny Green went seven for nine from three. And the second half, it never really felt like they were in it. And, you know, Kawhi, best player on the court. That's all I got to say. But as far as the team, I like in the West, you're right. Utah's gotten a lot of, um, a lot of hype. And I think they're going to be a good regular season team. And I think that's the case for for Houston, too. I think Houston's going to be a good regular season team and win the West. I'm actually going to trust Denver here, which feels like wow. just feels Denver. weird and wrong. But my issue with Utah is you cannot win a championship, in my opinion, or, or even come out of the West if your best player is Donovan Mitchell or, or Rudy Gobert. It has sure. to be a better player than that, right? And Like Jamal Murray, baby. Like Jamal Murray. Baby, Jamal Murray's my guy, Jamal man. Murray. I know I'm you like... haven't been listening on the break. That, that's my guy. But yes. Jokic, to me, is a top 10 player. He's just – he's so creative, and, and he can do so much on the offensive end. His defense is a huge problem. We know that. But they have the athletes to make up for it. Jeremy Grant was a big sign. So I think Denver, Houston, and – uh, Utah are all going to be really good regular season teams. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if they're better records than the Clippers or right there with the Clippers. Cause I think Clippers will be doing more load management because of Kawhi and their other best player has a rod in his leg and has had shoulder <laughs> surgery. Yeah, that's certainly interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, what? after watching the Mavericks last night, give them the West already, baby. Bro, they were, so I picked him as the eight seed and that's a Homer pick, but Luca is not going to have a sophomore slump. He is the real deal. KP looks pretty healthy and, uh, J-Mac was at the game, and we were texting. That's a ragtag bunch that they got there, man. I mean, they were up 30 at one point. I know they young team, inexperienced, haven't played together. They let it finish. I think it was like an eight- or nine-point final. They're going to be pretty decent this year. They're going to be in a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the most Dallas Maverick-looking team. You just bring in a bunch <laughs> of guys yep. who can do one to two things well, and yep. Carlisle's got a game plan. He's only going to put in Curry to shoot in certain spots. You know, I think he's got a surrounding cast. Uh, so certainly be following on the break, keeping up with that. Uh, well, Kyle, moving from basketball and baseball into uh, the past the middle point of college football season, focusing in on another Big Ten game. Unfortunately, I think our fans are getting a little tired of listening to Big Ten, but we're going to steer away from some of the normal teams. And the Wisconsin Badgers heading on the highway for an 11 a.m. kick. Ohio State's hosting as a 14-point favorite and a curious over under a 49 and a half. Uh, Kyle, this is a game that, you know, we were looking at coming into last week. Hey, Wisconsin's got uh, Illinois. Ohio State's got Northwestern. We're going to have two undefeated top five matchup. This is probably going to set the precedent for college football playoff. And now we're in a totally different spot. So, Kyle, where are you looking here? Is this somewhere where Wisconsin bounces back or where Ohio State keeps rolling? Man, a lot, of, a lot of thoughts around this game. One, 11 o'clock. I mean, I don't know how these kids Ooh. are even ready at that time. I mean, I, I guess you know. just bring a sleeping bag and stay at the facility the evening I, before. I mean, how does that I work? would say so. You go straight from the bars out Friday night for these players. You know, they probably got a curfew at midnight. Just roll right in, you know, play some music, some ping pong. I don't know. That sounds about right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Wisconsin, Illinois was the play of a lifetime last week. Shame on me for not for our dog pick, not looking at Wisconsin's schedule to know that they would have oh, overlooked Illinois. 31 absolutely. and a half. Like, ugh, how do we not take that? I, I, I'm, I was kicking myself because I hate Wisconsin. I've been on here. Me too. in there's a couple college football teams, including I'd say Penn State is another one I'm not as high on that keeps getting wins where I'm like, 
I don't know when they're going to lose, but they will. It's same with the Gophers. The Gophers. You throw, are, Utah, you throw Utah in that mix. I mean, I know that Utah has a loss, but Utah's kind of one of those teams where right. it's like you're, you're good, but you're that tier two still. Yeah, you're, you're just where, based on the week, maybe you guys have finals that week. I know I talk about it every time, <laughs> but these weird upsets. You're concerned about these kids' test schedules. I am. I need to get more locked in. I need to look at more <laughs> school calendars, but – uh, yeah, and I think to your point, it was a look-ahead spot, and, and that's huge with college football. And uh, it's part of, you, you know, you look at Penn State, they've had consecutive games or three straight primetime games, I think, at this point. So it, it's a question, and Ohio State really hasn't played anyone, I think, to this yeah. point. You look at their schedule. So while they have certainly put up a lot of points and their defenses looked fantastic, uh, you know, Nebraska wasn't much of a test. Michigan State wasn't much of a test. I'm just not sure Wisconsin poses any more of a test than what they've already seen. Um, no, I, I don't think so. And I'll real quickly before I preview this game, I'll tell you, I do think Penn State is better than Wisconsin, though. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Marginally, Absolutely. but I do think they're a little bit better. I can't believe this line's only 14. Like, I know they want to give Wisconsin the benefit of the doubt, maybe a bounce back game. This is this is at the big shoe, though, right? This is at Ohio State. Yes, this is. Yep. Dude, this, this line should be closer to 21 because while Wisconsin has – as they always do, great offensive line, good size up front, good tackling linebackers. They do not have the athletes outside to no. play against even Penn State or Michigan. Definitely not against Ohio State. No. And I just – this is a game that may start off – I don't know how I feel about this. Ohio State, I know this, though, from watching this year, and then I saw a stat. They're the best second-quarter team, like, ever. They score, like, 17 to 21 points in every second quarter. So, yeah, maybe this game is – Three three or seven seven, um, you know, midway through the second. But I I just see Ohio State taking off in the second or third quarter and not looking back at some point. I, I like them to cover this and and win by maybe three scores. Yeah, if, if you take a look at some of the stats, Jonathan Taylor certainly the lead back for Wisconsin. Good back. Yeah, great back in their past three three weeks that they faced Power Five schools. His longest run is thirteen yards, and that does not bode well. Exactly. Does not bode well for this offense. And while Wisconsin's defense does have four shutouts this year, again, it's not versed, you know, elite power five schools. I'm not a Jack Cohen fan uh, quarterback. And I've talked about this weeks ago that their, their best quarterback, Graham Mertz is a true freshman that Alabama yeah, recruited, Clemson recruited every top school wanted this kid. This kid has an electric arm. And this was my concern with Wisconsin this year was if they came in and were hot off the bat, they wouldn't turn to Graham early as they needed to. And I think they they had an easy schedule on going into this season, which is why I thought this is the perfect season to bring the true freshman in because it eases them in. You weren't going to ask too much, just like Jack Cohen hasn't had to do anything to this point. And you would have had six games basically going into this big Ohio State game. Well, they screwed that up. So I, I just I don't think they have the right quarterback at position to really get into effect. And to your point, Ohio State is a great second-half team and just making the adjustments early on. Ryan Day is a fantastic head coach. I think he's one of the – just a step below Lincoln Riley in an offensive mind from what you're considering in college football. So, um, you know, last week you look at Illinois, they had nine explosive plays. That's 20-plus yards on a play. <laughs> if, Ohio if State Illinois will can, have more. <laughs> yeah, if, if Illinois can have nine explosive plays on you – I feel fairly confident that Justin Fields, who's looking like a Heisman candidate, can. So yeah. I think to your point, uh, you know, it was minus 10 heading into last week. 
gosh, I wish we looked at that too. Kyle, like we would have just given me minus 10. Give me the farm on that. Um, so it's certainly a game. I think it's a later to play it. I, I think this could snowball out to like a 38 to three game because I, I just, even, even if Wisconsin gets behind, I don't think they have the type of team that can, you know, go no huddle and put up points in a hurry. Yeah. And look at the history. I mean, Ohio state has for the most part over the last decade, just absolutely dominated Wisconsin in these games, even when Wisconsin has been ranked top 10, top 15. Yeah. And we kind of are used to seeing this matchup in the big 10 championship, which is yeah. funny. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I am kind of curious to watch how these two teams play because they're kind of used to that scenario. Uh, so kind of, we're both in agreement there, kind of a later don't play it. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not laying Ohio State, I would stay away from this. The over-under is a little tricky because Wisconsin is going to want to run the ball, control the clock. I don't think they're going to be incredibly successful doing it, but I could see a lot of time ticking off here, and if Ohio State gets a big lead, I would stay away from the over-under lay Ohio State or don't play it yeah I think it's one of those live bet scenarios where you know maybe if it does start slow to your point if you got like a you know three nothing end of first maybe look for the live over because Ohio State is going to put up points in a bunch it is an 11 a.m kick sometimes they're a little rusty in the morning too groggy Uh, I know so you may uh but yeah nothing we have strong sentiments on Uh, well to the big big Saturday night game Notre Dame heads down to the the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Notre Dame has moved actually out to a one-point favorite. This opened a Sunday night, Michigan minus four, which I texted you at JMac. I'm like, am I reading this right? I, I don't understand why Michigan's a four-point favorite. Dude, my phone was dead, and I got that, and I got, and I logged in, and it was already a pick'em, and I was like, son of a bitch. I would, I, I, I mean, which I still like pick'em, but I would have locked in plus four for, I would have put my car on it, man. Like that is insane. I, it was a weird line to look at, and over under a fifty-two. Um, I, I guess where to start here is whether you think Shea Patterson can move the ball. We, I will say I did like what we saw versus him at, at Penn State. We mentioned in the second on this, half, yeah, in the second half, and, and we mentioned on this podcast earlier in this season that he was banged up with a, you know an indisclosed injury, so that yep. that does kind of aid it. And I think they have gotten more committed to throwing to these wide receivers and putting trust on Shea. So I'm I'm just curious if Michigan can really get into, you know, buy back into another week. Because, I mean, they did have, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, Iowa. Then last week they had Penn State. Now they have Notre Dame. I mean, at some point it's hard to ask these kids to continue to get up for big games. So I guess do you have any concerns with Michigan showing back up and Shea Patterson moving the ball? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think the strong – I don't think Michigan's going to move the ball very much in this game. You know, they've struggled against not as good a defense as Notre, Notre Dame. And the strength of Michigan's uh, team really to me is their wide receivers, and I like their pass rush. But Notre Dame has really good DBs and a pretty solid offensive line, so I think you can kind of neutralize that. Uh, I do I – think I, I think I like Notre Dame in this game. It's closer for me maybe than – some people I know public money is going heavy on Notre Dame, which is generally not a good thing. Um, I love being able to try to work Notre Dame, especially if your book has it at Pickham. I think it's minus one pretty much across the board. If you can work that into a teaser for seven or ten points, depending on how many teams you got involved, I, I like that a lot because Michigan's just not constructed to blow anybody out uh, of a team of that caliber at least. Yeah, I guess when I when I dove into the matchup, I, I almost understood the line movement a little bit. 
Um, but now I'm kind of looking at Michigan as some value because I, I don't think they necessarily should be, you know, a dog at home. And if you right. look at if you look at Notre Dame, they don't really have burners outside. And what's no. really hurt Michigan, they even had trouble with Iowa's wide receivers, but they have struggled so far this year with speed. And you watch that Iowa game. All Iowa did was crossing routes, and Michigan's linebackers were, I swear, like a foot or two behind. Even last week, Michigan trying to cover Penn State's guys. It was, yeah. it was just ugly to watch. It's going to be a long game at the end of the season against Ohio State. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. But this is a matchup where Notre Dame doesn't necessarily have that elite speed no. that, that we've seen. So I think if there is a scenario where Michigan's kind of bigger defense, they are slower, but it's a bigger, stronger team, this may be a situation where where it plays to their advantage. Now, I do think they need to concentrate on Ian Book and not letting him escape out of the pocket. Uh, they did kind of have that last week in Penn State and a running quarterback. So for some reason, it just feels like Michigan gets the win, though. The more I look at it and think about it, I go, this is just John Harbaugh. He finds a way to win these games to keep his job. And it, it's almost like Garrett last week with the Cowboys. Like he, he feels it. He knows it. Because if he goes with three losses on the season, he knows he's done. He's out of there. But, yeah, Jim Harbaugh is good about winning games that back against the wall type of situation. Um, my dad's actually going to be at this game, which is pretty interesting. My wow. family is uh, on my dad's side are Michigan fans. They're in Michigan, Ohio area. Um, and but my dad, his father went to Notre Dame. So my dad's a Notre Dame fan. So he's going to be in the big house in his Notre Dame gear. Um, hopefully he's uh, – He's moving safely up there, but I know he's really excited for it. He feels pretty confident about Notre Dame. What do you think about what I said? They're working Notre Dame into some kind of seven or ten point teaser because you get Notre Dame you know, plus nine. You got to feel decent about that. But I always think the other way. I'm almost thinking if Just I put can, it on Michigan at home to keep it close. Right. Give me Michigan plus sure. seven and a half. Where I, I, I'm with you. I, I think both sides. I think this. You know, you look at the over under fifty two. That's fairly low for college football. Yeah. Uh, Michigan's really had that ability we saw last week to come back in games when necessary. And I, I just think they match up pretty well on the offensive side of the ball as well. And I, I'm starting to slowly think too, Kyle, that Georgia may not be as good as we thought. I mean, I, I know in Notre Dame, he kind of, if you watch that game, you could argue that they should have won it. So looking back at that loss, you're like, well, Hey, that's a pretty good loss. It's a top, you know, that's the top team we think of the nation, but, but is it, but is it? Yeah. After watching the last couple of weeks, it's a very vanilla offense. It's not an elite offense. Uh, and they moved the ball certainly versus Notre Dame's defense. So I don't see a lot of differences between what we've seen out of Georgia and what we've seen out of Michigan's offense so far. And those two on that side of the ball. So if you're telling me Michigan puts up 23 on, you know, Saturday, I'd say it's a pretty decent chance that they're going to be right in it. Yeah, and I, I'm i not big on uh, Brian Kelly, uh, so I don't think there's a coaching advantage here necessarily. I thought there was a coaching advantage uh, against Penn State. I, I like Franklin a lot. So, yeah, maybe you've kind of swayed me. This is a stay away from me. This is a watch and enjoy type of game. Uh, but I text Justin this today, and like I said, my grandfather went to Notre Dame. Uh, respect for that, but I cannot stand the Notre Dame fan base. Um, I've, never wanted, I've never wanted to watch a game so much that I wanted both teams to lose. <laughs> I, I know it, it is kind of you look at that game like usually I cheer against both these teams winning right 
Um, yeah, I'm with you. Well, it's maybe a game we'll revisit later in best bets. Um, moving from college football, certainly a handful of others to look at, but we don't want to dive deep into the same teams every week for you guys. Uh, your favorite segment of Would You Lay It? We have the Miami Dolphins heading on the highway this weekend for prime time, Kyle Beats. Prime yes, time. Ryan Fitzpatrick Magic going to face off with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night. Uh, I'm seeing about a 14-point line. Are you in the same boat there? Yeah, I'm seeing 14, even 14 and a half. Oh, uh, yeah, it's come down to 14, it looks like. Um, who, who we got starting for, for the Steelers here? Is Mason Rudolph going to be in this game? Yeah, my understanding is Rudolph is back clear during the bye week. I mean, he's going to have essentially three-plus weeks from the yep. time he went out to this start. So, yeah, they're giving him the go-ahead. That line makes more sense then because if Hodges was playing, it's like, oh, shit, I think i got to take these points. But, um, man, you know what? Miami showed me a little fight these last couple of weeks. I'll take I'll take the 14. You know, I was thinking the same thing, man. I, I was thinking absolutely. We've seen the Why Dolphins. Fitz Magic, for whatever reason, I don't care what team he plays on, the players want to play for him. It, I, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. I don't know why, but 14, uh, I, it's just the sole fact. This isn't Ben Roethlisberger. This is prime time. The Miami Dolphins, I mean, if you're going to get up for a game, this has to be it, right? You're 0-6. Yep. Monday night, you're going on the road. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, you kind of do worry with the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off the bye week, a little bit more rested. You know, Miami did go up to Buffalo, very physical game, so uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll take the 14. Why not? I mean, that's a lot of points for a, a bad Steelers team that runs a middle school offense when Mason Rudolph is playing and don't, doesn't have a good pass defense. And I don't think they're necessarily in the business of trying to win every game here. I think they're trying to casually tank, but they have a much better fan base than the uh, Dolphins, so they have to do it in a more delicate way. So take the points. Love to work that into a teaser, though, just because I would like to get into three <laughs> touchdowns if possible. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a game, though, and we've talked about this on the show, where I think when there's chances to take maybe Miami plus 10.5 for plus money, makes sense this week. Because I, I think it is a game that could be, you know, a one-score single digits. So getting that plus money, taking a look at that, rather than the 14, you know, may, may be worth a dabble. We'll see, and it's Monday night, so you gotta you got to put something down on it. Am I right? I mean, I mean, if I'm not gambling on that game, I'm not watching it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, exactly my point. So, well, we'll move to a couple of games that are certainly going to matter more in the scheme of things. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles coming off a brutal loss on Sunday night to the Dallas Cowboys. Head right back up to the Northeast in Buffalo. Buffalo, um, one and a half point favorite over under a 43 and a half. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Are you worried about the Eagles team? There's been some comments this week. You know, Lane Johnson has come out and uh, certainly been talking, I think, a little bit too much. He's calling out players for not practicing hard. Then you got a mysterious source who is apparently Alshon Jeffrey. Did you see that? That yeah. he was calling out Wentz? I don't think that's true because when no. that happens, he's not throwing. So there seems to be a lot going on. People saying Doug Peterson's lost the locker room. Do you think that's happened, or what's your thoughts? I think it's on the way there. I don't think Doug Peterson's lost the locker room because this is a guy that's, what, 20 months removed from beating Bel Bill Belichick in a Super Bowl? Don't yeah. take that for granted, Philadelphia fans. There's not better – you know, who are you going to go hire? Hugh Jackson? Um, so I, I, I do think it's headed that direction, though, potentially. There's a lot of talent on this team and a lot of expectations. And, um, you know, they just haven't – they haven't lived up to it. I don't think Alshon said that, though. I mean, Alshon seems like a, 
not a diva guy like that. And Lane Johnson needs to worry about not letting guys like Demarcus Lawrence just blow past him and uh, <laughs> not worry about the offense. But this is a weird line, man. Buffalo is a team that at 5-1 and one, I still don't fully trust, even though they're the only team we've seen really challenge the Patriots. It's That's still true. a weird team, right? Like they struggled against Miami yesterday uh, – or excuse me, last week. And when they get into a position where they're down, this is not a come-from-behind type of team. This is a – control the game, rely on your defense, get ahead of early, stay on schedule type of team. <sighs> Minus one and a half Buffalo, 43 and a half. I think, I think I would take the, the over on this if I was going to touch that. Not necessarily super high on it, but the Eagles defense is not great. And I, I think I would take the points for the Eagles maybe. Uh, I, I, they got to bounce back at some point, right? Like they got to get this right. They have too much talent. Yeah, I mean, to your point, it is an interesting team. Uh, you know, just two seasons ago, and I, I would say necessarily the core is still there. I, I mean, you have a lot of the same guys, yeah, uh, still in that locker room. Uh, but it is a tough trip. It's going to be a noon kickoff. Um, <laughs> it's going to. This is their third road game. I think they had the bye worked in there, but they've been on the road right for a handful of weeks now. Yeah, they have. Yeah, the the schedulers are not doing them any any favors there. Um, we we saw Jason Peters out Sunday night. My understanding is he could be back this week. I, I, we Dude, don't he's have been any... so in and out the yeah. last few years, and that's a bigger deal than people realize. You know more about offensive lines than pretty much anybody I know, but that guy is a great <laughs> left tackle. Yeah, he, he's certainly done well, and I think it's just aided by the whole offensive line. But Andre Dillard, who's a guy people are very high on coming out of the draft, I was not. He's a little bit undersized for me for a true left tackle. Robert Quinn um, ate his lunch. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of people though in the league that love him. And, I mean, he shot up draft boards. I mean, it was just a guy I didn't really think would be maybe a late day two guy that uh, somehow snuck up. So, besides the point, um, I'm just not sure if he is out again. I think that's kind of Carson Wentz's blanket. He likes that. But the defense has been a struggle unless they get some guys back healthy. Uh, they've allowed 24 or more points in every game this year. Uh, Cole Beasley, obviously very familiar with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not sure if that's going to help, uh, but certainly being able to bring over some insight from his years in Dallas. Um, but John Brown, nice spot for him. I think he's a nice fantasy sleeper for you. Uh, I mean, look at what Amari did all all night long versus this Eagles team. Uh, certainly can get beat deep. So John Brown's a guy will be interesting. I just think with Jim Schwartz, you know, Kyle, we, we watch Jim Schwartz with the Eagles. He loves to bring pressure, especially when the games are tight. He, he loves to bring that third down pressure. I, and I am interested to see how Josh Allen handles that because I don't think we've been able to see that yet with him truly. I mean, a I lot think he's going to take off. Put, I think he's going to stop looking downfield and take off, unfortunately. Yeah. And so a lot of the Bills games so far this year, it's been them either trying to come back where defense has been a little bit of a shell, or they've gotten out to an early lead and leaned on Frank Gore, and now Devin Singletary's back. So right. I, if I'm the Bills, my game plan is – or if I'm the Eagles, my game plan is to just stack the box, say Josh Allen beat me, and you know what? Uh, that, you got to have that accurate deep ball. So certainly check the weather as well. It's that time of year. You know, we're about to move into November. <laughs> you don't want to turn the game on and uh, be betting the over and you see a snowstorm. Oh my god, dude! I had it was gut wrenching. I had San Francisco minus nine and a half last week, and I didn't realize they were going to be playing on a freaking sponge. It's like how, FedEx Field's a joke. How is that an NFL f- facility? How is it not draining better? Um, and they won nine zero, which was just gut wrenching. 
Oh, yeah, and that, and then on top of that, I mean, RG3 tore his ACL on that same field, and they haven't done anything since. That franchise, we'll leave J-Mac for that race oh later on. Oh, my God. On. I know he, he loves I think he has a book coming out about that. <laughs> I, I swear he almost does. Uh, well, from uh, Buffalo, New York, down to Arizona and the Saints, the Arizona Cardinals head a, across the Western time zone all the way to the central to face off the New Orleans Saints, a minus 10 favorite over under a 48 and a half. Uh, Arizona Cardinals got to be the surprise team, 500-3-3-1. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury certainly proven his offense will translate to the NFL. We'll see after one year if teams adjust. But, uh, Kyle, I would say the Saints being undefeated without Drew Brees is certainly a shock. And Brees being in the headlines this week saying he's coming back and playing. Um do you think they turn back to Breeze? Is that smart after what this team's done with Teddy Two Gloves? I don't think you need to this week, but you absolutely turn it back over to Drew at some point. I mean, he significantly raises your chances to get through the NFC playoffs and to get to the Super Bowl. Teddy Bridgewater does not give you a better chance than Drew Breeze, regardless of the record, regardless of Drew Breeze's age. Um, that's been a common theme amongst the talking heads on on the big networks and I just, it's not a Dak Romo type of situation. It's just, nah, you didn't draft this guy. It's, I hate that comparison. So, yes, I think you bring Drew back. I don't think you need to this week. I think you can beat the Cardinals with, with Teddy. And I think they got to buy the week after that. So then bring him back the following game. That would be my game plan. Yeah. And that'd make a lot of sense. And I just, to be honest, though, I, I've watched all these Saints games with Teddy and. I, haven't seen a ton to be overly impressed on with what he's done. I mean, I think Sean Payton's done a great job of knowing what he needs out of him and getting exactly that. Yeah, and you have – you know, I know Kamara's been banged up. He didn't play last week. Kamara's a a terrific back. Latavius Murray is maybe the best backup running back in the league. I mean, he had bell cow work last week and and proved himself. You have Michael Thomas, who's a reliable receiver. And guys are making plays. You know, you'll have Ted Ginn make a play here and there. And – the big story with the Saints is that defense is really outperformed this year. Yeah, that defense has stepped up. I'll slow down on Latavius Murray being the best backup in the NFL, though. Let, let's let's calm down on those waters. I mean, still- I, I can't think. I'm just, like, sitting here, like, rambling dudes off in my head. Because if you split time, you're not a backup. Like, Royce Freeman and Phillip Lindsay aren't backups to either one because they split time. Like, when Kamara's healthy, Latavius is getting, like, an 80-20 share at best. Yeah, I, I maybe guess. I should have clarified that a little more. Yeah, well, well something we can look at for sure. I, I mean, there's a reason he ba- he's bounced around on one year contract. Guess that's true. <laughs> he, he's a straight up runner. We know what he is. Well, and, and that has a lot to do with Akeem Hicks being out for the Bears. But well, that's not a team we want to talk about around here. Um, yeah, the, the Cardinals Saints interesting game. I think Breeze wants to come back. I think to your point, it makes sense for them to hold them off another week to allow the bye week to get all healed up. I mean, certainly if you told the Saints a handful of weeks ago, you'll be sitting here, you know, six and one. Do you want to rest Breeze another week to get healthy? You'd be like, I'll take six and two, even if they lose. So absolutely, I, I don't see them rushing them back. I think it's going to be a similar game plan from what we've seen out of them, just running the ball straight ahead, staying forward. But uh, Kyle, what is your thoughts with Teddy? Is this a guy that you're looking to go to a new franchise next year? and take over and be the guy? Because I don't think Breeze is done after this year. He no, is- he's not. Now, the way he takes care of his body, um, and he doesn't take a, a lot of beatings. I mean, what happened this this year could happen to anybody that's on the hand. He's not allowing himself to get sacked and injured. I think he's got a couple more years in the tank. Teddy's got to go to another team, though, right? Like, he's a top 32 quarterback to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it would be interesting and on, on where he would land up. And I, I'm just trying to think in my head right now. I, I truly can't think of any Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee and Denver are kind of those top two that you would say. I think Miami certainly wants to go in a new direction with, you know, a guy like Tua. Right. Um, I am interested on Andy Dalton on what his future lies. I mean, I would. I still think Andy Dalton's decent. That line is awful. I I do like Andy Dalton. I think he's, I, I should say, like relatively, I think he's an above average NFL quarterback. You know what you're, you know what you're getting with Andy Dalton. Don't, Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, he's certainly a starter, starting caliber. Uh, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole where people are going to think I love Andy Dalton. I don't love Andy Dalton. I just think he's a starting NFL quarterback fair. who's under contract for another year. And you go like Andy Dalton going to Denver seems like such a John Elway move. Bring yeah, another veteran point. quarterback who's probably past his prime. Who can, Pay him too much. Yeah, pay him too much. Who can somewhat still compete and help be a stopgap. So I wouldn't be shocked in that, but I think Andy Dalton will be somewhere else. I think Cincinnati, especially if they get the top pick, uh, would be a very interesting storyline. So I, I apologize. We're going way off the reservoir and where we thought Teddy would go, but I, <laughs> I think it just depends on a lot, a lot of chips. And also what's going on in Washington is still confusing. I mean, it seems like no one wants to start Dwayne Haskins there. Uh, the coaching staff Callahan doesn't seem to be a fan of his either. So, I think it'll be interesting to see what Washington does with bringing in a head coach who does or doesn't want to work with him, uh, whether that is Urban Meyer or not. So that's something to track. But uh, we'll circle back to the Cardinals-Saints game. Uh, You know, Cardinals last week had David Johnson active, uh, much to the disappointment of fantasy owners, just to watch Chase Edmonds go off. Um, DJ this week, kind of game time, questionable at the ankles. We'll certainly be tracking that. Christian Kirk, hopefully he'll be back in the lineup. But do you see much success here for Arizona facing probably a top defense and being in the stadium of New Orleans? I just don't see them scoring more than 20 this week. No, I, I don't either. The Chase Edmonds thing is crazy. Uh, I guess he's a second-year guy. I'm looking at it here. I didn't realize that. he When I had turned it on, he was actually – he caught a screen pass and – He's the first player I saw, and I was like, is this JV football? I mean, that is one of the smallest NFL running backs I've ever seen. I don't have his height and weight in front of me, but it is not big. Uh, uh, yeah. I do think Kyler is going to struggle here. He's been pretty impressive, even though the numbers have the numbers have been all over the place for him. He's made a lot of good plays. Like, the kid is just a winner in that showing. Being in that building, though, for the first time against that defense that is clicking on all cylinders, you know, Cam Jordan, perennially overrated pass rusher in my eyes. Uh Lattimore, to me, you know how much I like studying the DBs. He's elevated that top five, top seven type of corner for me. I mean, you can put him yeah. on an island, man. He is back to his rookie yourself. He kind of stepped down last year, which is an abnormal first that sophomore slump. But, yeah, I love Marshawn Lattimore and what we're seeing. It, it This is why I fell in love with New Orleans last year. It, the, the defense seemed underrated. The offense is humming with Breeze. Uh, you know, last year, Kamar and Ingram. And They're a likable team. Yeah, and especially when they brought in Des Bryant, because kind of the knock on them, for me, their only weakness at that point outside of the banged-up offensive line was not having another weapon after Michael Thomas in the passing game. And this year, bringing in Jared Cook. Jared Cook looked just fine when Drew Brees is back there. So all you fantasy guys who have kind of given up on Jared Cook, I get it. 
He is not a fit with what they're doing with Teddy. But once Breeze is back in that fold, look for Cook to get back and involved. So um, it, it's a I can understand why there's a lot to like about this New Orleans Saints team. But, uh, you know, minus 10, 48 and a half, I, I, it's just more of a stay away. I guess if I had rich. to, I, I would take the points with the Cardinals just because I feel like the Saints are going to, again, try to just get through the week running the ball, possible backdoor opportunity, but I, not a whole lot I like either way in this game. No, I, I'm staying away from this line. I would tend to lean to taking the points with you. Um, like you said, I mean, I think the Saints are just like, let's get through this game. We don't care if we win by one or 30. And the Cardinals are just that team that can make runs at the end of games and just really, really right. burn you, you know? So I would stay away from it. I do think it's going to be entertaining. Um, I just from winning the game, take the spread out of it. I don't think there's any way the Cardinals win this game in New Orleans. Hey, give me a Tristan Hill just for this one game. Okay. Just let me just start a one game. I want to see it. Why not? I need I need uh, Larry Fitzgerald to come back to life for personal reasons. Uh, fair enough. Well, and as I say this, Dwayne Haskins did come into the game for the Washington Redskins. So, you know, I'm not saying we breathed life into this and made this happen, Kyle, but uh, Dwayne Haskins did, did just go three and out and missed a wide open Terry McLaren uh, down the sidelines. Just it didn't even throw it to him, just threw the check down route. He, he was standing. There's literally no one around him. Xavier Rhodes got hurt on the play, not even in the picture. Wasn't a guy within 20 to 30 yards, and he didn't well, even bother. What's happening is he's realizing that this Vikings defense is faster than the Rutgers or Maryland defense. It's a bold thing. It is a bold <laughs> thing. Well, uh, certainly from one of the – you know, one of the couple other top teams in the NFC, Carolina Panthers, kind of the surprise with Kyle Allen head on the road after their bye week from their trip to London to the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Uh, J-Mac spin all over the San Francisco 49ers to this point in the year, and they are a five-and-a-half point favorite. The curious under over under a 42 seems pretty low for these. I don't know if we're playing in another monsoon in San Francisco. They have yeah, back monsoon games. Uh, but Kyle, I guess with you, is this a fraudulent San Francisco undefeated team or are you finally buying it? I think I have to buy in at this team. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, fraudulent teams that haven't played anybody, you know, I'm not going to call New, uh, New England fraudulent, but they haven't really played anybody. You look at New England, San Francisco and Buffalo. They've all had easy, easy schedules. I think Buffalo is the weak link out of that group for sure. I'm, I'm bought in on the San Fran team. The over under is pretty low, but I think both these teams are going to try to run the ball 40 times. I think that's the, that's the recipe here, right? Yeah, I, I guess you'd have to think that. And Carolina coming off the bye, they had a couple things to fix. Uh, they've had some injuries on the defensive side. Uh, Brian Burns actually had surgery, the, the Florida State kid who's been fantastic. Yeah. They get a touchdown in London. I mean, absolutely a great draft pick for them. Um, so I'm going to interested in Carolina's defensive health because they have had Quan Short injured as well. So – couple things to monitor there. Um, interesting stat that San Francisco is the only team to not allow 100 yards to a running back in the past game so far in the NFL. Wow. And the reason that's interesting is because Carolina loves to throw to Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is a team that didn't spend a lot of money in the past two off seasons on linebackers. And kind of some folks did question a couple of the signings. So it has been nice to see them step up in that defense evolve. Certainly Bosa helps, and the uh, force Buckner, I think, has just transformed himself this year across the defensive line. So I think it's going to be a tight game. I mean, the five and a half, I mean, certainly makes sense. I think it's a valid number. 
But man, you almost think, gosh, can I bite a seven? Because I just feel to your point, it's going to be a run heavy for both teams. Uh, you know, it seems like a, it, it's a, almost a game where Robbie Gold's going to have six field goals. I, and we've seen that yeah. from San Francisco before yep. where they're content having a six to seven minute drive. We got points. Great. And, you know, if it's an 18 to 15 game, just something weird like that, it wouldn't shock me. So, I, I mean, on your side, are you kind of picturing a low scoring as well? Yeah, I'm picturing it low scoring. I would probably go under that, even though it's a very, very low number. Um, but I went under 42 and a half for the for the Jets Patriots because I, I felt pretty confident in that, and, and that hit for me last week. So I think I would go under in this game um, with the spread. I would be looking if I could if I could tease Carolina. I'd love that to get it around 12, 12 and a half. Um, I think I like Carolina to cover this. I think it'll be a tight game. I wouldn't be shocked if San Fran wins, but something's got to give against the San Fran defense. They've been phenomenal. I don't want to take anything away from them. They haven't played anybody like Christian McCaffrey. No, no, they haven't. And I think to your point, there's some value with teasing here, and you could maybe add the under in there as well because I just don't see these two teams combining for 50 points. I think Good both point. are going to look to shorten the game and, you know, after bye weeks, we typically see teams start a little slow as well. So um, if you are interested in Carolina, maybe a team that you look forward to bet live, maybe after a slow first quarter or first half uh, and to see them buy back in. So I, I don't know. I think we're going to learn a lot about these two teams. I think Cam Newton's yes. done in, I think Cam Newton's done in Carolina. They, they, it hasn't been positive when you've been reading the tea leaves there, what they've been saying or, you know, hey, he's not coming back till he's fully healthy. He's probably never going to be fully healthy, which we knew coming into the year. I mean, there was a reason in the offseason they talked about sitting him out for the whole year. I mean, yeah. he does, it, he needs surgery. He needs to be revamped here. So, And he did this to himself. Well, I'm going to blame a little bit of that on the NFL refs because they treated Cam Newton a lot different than other quarterbacks. But he did it to himself going out of the pocket too much early in his career. And, you know, as big of a guy as he is, you can only take so much. But – I'm with you. I think Kyle Allen takes that takes that spot over. He's been pretty impressive so far. We're going to learn a lot about him this week against that San Fran defense on the road. I, I think he'll struggle this week. Uh, it's just natural, right? It's going to happen. He's going to lose a game eventually. Not to get too off topic, though, we talked about Teddy going to other teams. Cam's got to be better than at least 10 starters still, right? Yeah, and that was kind of my next thought is, I mean, I feel like you have to make a choice there. You've obviously found two starting quarterbacks in the NFL and Kyle Allen and Cam Newton. It feels like the organization is moved on mentally from Cam. Uh, so if they decided to completely move on from him, I mean, who would be a suitor if he did go down a path of saying, hey, I'm going to take a year off, you know, in rehab? I think that'd be an interesting do you think there's a lot of potential storylines this NFL offseason, including oh, yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars? You know, if Garden Minshew continues these next couple of weeks before Foles comes back, I mean, what does that look like? Because Foles would definitely be a John Elway guy. Oh, definitely. Oh, my He'd be God. another statue quarterback. Three for 60 all day, man. Uh, oh, man. He, he would absolutely love that. So is Cam Newton, I'm, I'm going to pull it out up here real quick, his contract situation. Is he done after this year with them, or is he extended it out? I think he's got one more year, but pull it up, and I'll, and I'll give you my Cam, too, since Cam is a guy I love. Um, his fashion sense is terrible. <laughs> Actually, it's probably good. It's just ridiculous to me. But on the field, I love guys that love to play football. People think he's childish or immature, whatever. He took money for going to Auburn. 
get out of here with that shit. You would have done the same thing. I like him as a person, and he loves to play the game of football, so I think he's going to try to get his body right. This might sound crazy, and you can't really do it because you took him second overall, but I would give up on Trubisky and try to bring Cam into Chicago because that defense is in a win-now state. Man, that that is another topic of Mitchell Trubisky and his heirs. This is you got to feel like this week for him is an all-in-effort type game versus the Chargers. That is I don't even have words, but yeah. So Cam Newton, for everyone to know at home, he is he has another year through twenty twenty at eighteen million, which is extremely low oh, when you look at quarterback. Dak's about to get thirty five. Teddy makes ten million as a backup. So you're telling me the highest, you know, a top end backup is getting ten million a year now, quarterback. So a starter. So I, I mean, I guess to my point, if I'm Cam, I'm going all right. I'm going to be thirty one next year. I have one year left of my contract. Let me have the surgery now. Give me a season and a half, and then I'll go, you know, plan a one-year deal on a new contract and then see where we're at. I mean, that just makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I want to see Cam go to a spot where he can compete. I wanted him to win that Super Bowl so bad, and he played not well in it. It just didn't work out. But I do think if he gets his body right, that there's still something left in the tank there. No. Well, for this week, I guess when more we've talked about, it, I think laying in the five and a half with San Francisco makes a little bit of sense. I think Kyle Allen, to your point, this feels like a game he could be a little bit rattled, even with the um, you know long bye week possibly comes in a little too shooken up. So I'm, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna take uh, you know, San Fran minus five and a half. How about you? Man. You just almost talked me out of it. But you know what? I'm going to stick to my gut. I don't want to do that to our listeners. Even though I don't feel great about this, I'm going to go Carolina plus five and a half. Um, a lot of field goals in this game. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, It'll be tight. It just feels like a Robbie Gold game. just yep. feels like it. Well, for our last our last NFL game of the week, we have the Green Bay Packers, uh, it, which was supposed to be probably one of the more premier games even of the season, heading to Kansas City. Kansas City now a three and a half point dog over under 48. Uh, Kyle, you've seen the videos that Kansas City released. Mahomes back at practice doing hurdle drills, throwing a football. Is he playing this week? I, I mean, I can't imagine after a separated kneecap they're rushing him back. But they also aren't ruling him out, and Matt Moore hasn't been told he's starting. Okay, well, if he plays this week, Andy Reid needs to be institutionalized and the training staff needs to be thrown in prison. The guy dislocated his knee like four day, like six days ago. Like, you can't. So that would be, what, nine-day layoff because it happened on a Thursday night game, 10? You cannot yeah. play at, with a dislocated knee. I know medical advances have come really far. You cannot do that. The original timetable is three to six weeks. At least take the three weeks, man. Like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, you're five and two. You're in a division that I'm not too worried about Oakland. Denver and Chargers are terrible. I don't think you have a concern here. You let Matt Moore go two and two or two and three, whatever, you're still going to be in a good spot to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's it certainly to your point. I think the division does aid them in the fact that not having to rush him back, certainly a premier game. I think Green Bay is completely overhyped to this point. Um, it felt like a spot where when you saw the Chiefs minus three and a half themselves at home, I was like, I'm laying that all day. I mean, I think this Packers team is completely overrated. I think we saw the Chiefs finally make adjustments on the defensive side of the ball last week versus Denver, which was nice because after watching the Colts and Texans gash them on the ground, it was like, man, is this the same Chiefs defense that we saw last year? You know, they made the changes to 4-3, brought in a new defense coordinator. So 
I think to your point, I think it's all just, you know, a decoy really to get to get game planning for Green Bay. I think it's just Andy Reid trying to be, you know, a little bit smarter than most coaches and not ruling Mahomes out right now because that just forces them to look at a few more things maybe than, than you could. So um, Mahomes, I think to your point, Dr. David Chow on Twitter went over it. It is about a three to six week injury. Uh, he kind of outlined the, the severity of it. Um, but even rushing them back can cause some, you know, long-term damage. So I think at some point Kansas City is going to have to have the the thought of, do we want to play for this year, bring them back, knowing that possibility, or do we just want to let them have the surgery, know that this guy's going to be our quarterback the next ten to fifteen years, and move on? Dude, if this was a competent organization, they would certainly do the latter and have the surgery. Give him the proper timetable. He's still going to be back for the regular season. That's the thing. It's this is not. Yeah. An ACL, you know, and because guess what? And I know you don't want to hear this, and we're not going to talk, we're not going to dick ride the Pats. We'll leave that to J Mac. They are not going to beat the Patriots in an AFC championship game this year. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be another D4 type of moment because just God is on the Patriots side for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I don't think this is their year. And I mean, I like the team a lot. I said four weeks ago they were the best team in the NFL. You can be the best regular season team in the NFL and not win a Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I'd agree with you. So I, to your point, I think it's the smart move to do the surgery, play the long-term play, chalk it up. I mean, this is a team that's already riddled with injuries. The left side of your line's hurt. Watkins has been banged up. Tyreek Hill's been banged up. Chris <laughs> Jones, they're arguably their best defensive player. Right. Missed the last two games, trending to be out again. I mean, you hit you you did hit a good point though. The defense has figured some things out. The the pass defense isn't all that bad. Um, you know, Tyron Matthews still out there making big plays. The run defense has been an issue, and they, they sewed it up a little bit against Denver. We'll see what it looks like against the Packers. But that's been injuries, to your point, Chris Jones. When right. you're missing your start, two of your starting defensive tackles, I, I'm sorry, you, it's tough to overcome that in the NFL. Yeah, and Chris Jones is a like per, perennial run stopper. He's one of the best in the league. Um, but the Packers do have two pretty good backs that I like, that they spell each other well. Um, you know, obviously, Devontae's not healthy. Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison are going to play. Neither of those guys are 100%. You know, you got Camaro out there. I can't even pronounce this guy's name. He's running routes. Get me a contract. I mean, I think they're going to have to run. They're going to have to run the ball a lot. You got a guy named Brian Pringle out there. I mean, what a name. Pringle. I like I like Pringle, actually. I, I took a flyer on him in DFS, and it did not uh, uh, did not work out for me. But I looking at this game with a three-and-a-half line, I think I'm taking – Taking the three and a half at Arrowhead with effing Matt Moore against Aaron Rodgers. That just feels wrong when I say it out loud. Oh, I can't wait. You know what? Matt Moore has found a way to continue to stay in the NFL and get paid for no reason. I mean, I mean, he and so I can't wait for him to play a handful of games for Andy Reid, look extremely above average for a backup quarterback. Yeah. And that's probably going to give him, you know, another, another couple years. He's gonna get two million uh, next year somewhere if it's yeah, not in Kansas City. I, I mean, so so why not? I mean, what what a guy! Absolutely love that. So I, I will lose I'm my mind you. though if we talk about is Matt, you know, three he goes three and zero, oh and it's like should Matt Moore go to Tennessee? It's like please, let's not go there, people. Oh gosh, well you know Matt Moore's at thirty five years old, spent obviously <laughs> uh, much of his career in Miami. But if you look at his if you look at his career, he has played a game in every season except in 2008 
and he is in most of the seasons he's playing four plus games. He had one, two, three, four, five, six. He's had six seasons, and this year he'll hit a seventh where he's played in four more games, which is incredible for a. And this is my point. Every year he finds a way to sneak in a handful of starts. Teams go, well, he had experience last year. We'll bring him in. And it, so it's just hilarious that he continues to find these these perfect scenarios where he did look awful last week though. And, and you're coming in mid game. Teddy looked awful when he oh. came in against the Rams. That's a yeah. really hard position for anyone that's ever tried to do that. Um, but dude, he looked so bad. I mean, his numbers maybe got made up with Tyreek Hill just running behind everybody and him just lobbing it out there. But uh, I do look for some mistakes to be made for sure. I, I kind of like the over in this game actually. Yeah, I, I don't know where to go there. I, I think the Chiefs' first half is the way to go. And the reason I say that is because Andy Reid is an elite game planner. Um, certainly the Packers aren't going to have any game tape on a, a game plan that Andy's going to want to run with him. So I think if you're looking uh, – What's that first half line, two, two and a half? Yeah, I mean, you can grab the Chiefs plus one and a half, uh, one and a half, two and a half. I mean, some places – it just depends on your book. You can probably get more juice to a three possibly even depending where this is at so i i just think looking for them to get off it is at home it's arrowhead it's prime time that place gets rocking man that's not a joke and i, I certainly think that we could find a situation where aaron Rodgers has a nice comeback the defense makes the necessary adjustments but at the end of the day i think the chiefs uh you know sneaking in to your point the three and a half four maybe maybe find a way to work that into a teaser maybe yes. a nice spot because We've seen it so far, even when um, the the Packers were leading the Cowboys, they don't really have that put away. They'll, they'll shell up. Uh, Matt LaFleur is fine with running the ball, taking off clock, uh, and then moving on from there. So I'll be interested to see that. But I think I think it's a – I mean, eight points is a big adjustment. That's a lot to adjust just from a quarterback in the NFL. There's still a team with a lot of good players and a great head coach on the offensive side. Yep, and that home field advantage, like I said – not I don't think that's as well known of a home field advantage to maybe the casual fan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh well, you know, last week obviously everyone listening knows that the Dallas Cowboys are a team that we follow very closely. So we always like to get a little bit of cowboy talk in here. Um were you impressed last week with the win? I, I know it was pretty much early over early on with the the turnovers, but from what we saw, that that's an all in effort, I would say. Certainly an all-in effort, and that's the frustrating part about it as a Cowboys fan is we saw for three weeks them, you know, part of my friends should not give a shit and look like one of, you know, below-average team in the NFL, and then you come out with this and give us the performance we know you're capable of. So where's your head at with the Cowboys? Man, I'm trying to stay level-headed here. Uh, this is something that <laughs> J-Mac J has to keep me in check sometimes, but I'm a pretty realistic Cowboys fan. Um, what, I'll keep this – this question in a box was I impressed by the win last week? Yes, it was a really good win. I don't think the Eagles are a great team. I don't think they're awful. They're kind of middle of the pack. Beat them 37 10. They look great. To your point, the frustrating part is the Cowboys were locked in, ready to go, whether it was the Clapper getting them, you know, excited for the game or Doug Peterson's comments guaranteeing a win, whatever it was. Maybe Dak rallied the troops. Those guys were locked in, wanting to play. You could see it on everyone's face. You could see the intensity. But it pisses me off that they didn't. They don't do that against the Jets. Because like teams like the Patriots and the Saints, they just get ready to beat anybody's ass that's in front of them. They don't care who it is. And sure. I get tired of the Cowboys overlooking teams and 
you know, not taking teams seriously. And it, it just drives me crazy. That being said, they're going to go there. They have a bye this week. They're going to probably beat the Giants and be five and three and be in a pretty decent spot. Um, to me, they're still in that four to seven range, four to six range in the NFC. They're not an elite team, but um, really happy with what I saw. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm with you. I think it is an exciting thing to see. Hopefully, hopefully ever doesn't go on vacation during the bye week. I mean, you kind of worry about that now. These guys coming back flat. So they, they have the Giants on deck following the bye week. You got to build on that momentum because from there it goes into a gauntlet where you're facing like the Bills, the Patriots, you got the Eagles mixed in there again. Uh, you certainly got some more difficult games as the season moves on. Uh, we'll kind of, I know we're nearing that midpoint way in the season. I wanted to get a quick thought from you on your quick, maybe an over and underachieving team to this point. Is there anyone kind of are you sticking out to you so far? Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams came to my mind. I'll start with my overachiever, and a lot of teams came to mind, but I think an important thing to do when you're looking at who's overachieved and who's underachieved is what were the expectations coming into the season, right? Not just your total record. And, uh, you know, call me crazy on this. The overachiever to me is Arizona at this point in time. I thought this team would be 3-13. and They've already got three wins. Um, now, do I see this team making the playoffs? Probably not. I see like a, a seven, eight and one record seems pretty realistic, but for all the scrutiny we heard about Kyler Murray and his, and his size and for Cliff Kingsbury and being five and seven in the big 12, how's he going to work it in the NFL? They've been competitive in a lot of these games. And, you know, sure. to me, that's, that's the overachiever. You know, there's a, there's a, you know, I look at a team like Minnesota, they're overachieving a little bit, but expe- expectations were pretty high. You know, they were there a few years ago, and, um, you know, I just don't trust Kirk, really. And um, I, I feel pretty confident with Arizona being a big overachiever this far. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think certainly that they have done a lot more than folks thought. And um, But I think it is interesting to see, you know, a guy like Cliff come over, had middling success in college football, but now turn over at the highest level and be successful. So yep. it has been interesting to watch. I'd say certainly on the overachieving side, it has been the Green Bay Packers for myself. Sure. I think I misspoke. I said uh, Zach Taylor earlier for their head coach, certainly Matt LaFleur. Just all these all these former assistants of Sean McVay who haven't done anything to be a head coach <laughs> get me really confused. Uh, but to that point, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, I, I just didn't really think was set up to be an NFL head coach. He was kind of a guy who I thought uh, just – People are getting wrapped up in the places he's been around to bring them in. So, and honestly, from what we've seen out of Green Bay so far, they seem to just win every lucky game. I mean, the point, uh, you know, there was a pass interference that was not called in the Cowboys-Green Bay game that turned into an interception. Dude, the Detroit game was just, I mean, oh, oh my the, God. Yeah, the Detroit game for the flag. So we don't even need to get into that that far of it. So it's just a team where – I think the defense is much improved. Zadarius Smith has been fantastic for them. But if you're telling me they're six and one team and deserve, uh, you know, a buy in the first on the NFC, I, I just don't see it. I mean, this is a guy back in 2005 that was a quarterbacks coach uh, at Notre Dame, and then he spent three years in the NFL. One of them was Sean McVay, and suddenly he's an NFL head coach. So I think that's a big jump to go from sure being a quarterback's coach with Brian Kelly uh, at Notre Dame to three years later taking over and running a whole NFL team. 
with one of the 32 best jobs in the land. So that that's my overachieving team. I, I certainly, uh, I've mentioned this before. Green Bay feels like the Dallas Cowboys of last year where they're winning every one possession game somehow. Yep. So good for them. Hopefully that turns out the same as the Cowboys and uh, a second round exit because I cannot stand Aaron Rodgers just sucking the soul out of the NFC. Um, but that's a good point. I didn't think about the Packers because I guess I thought expectations were relatively high, but not this high, not to be the best team thus far in the NFC or second best. At yeah, worst. I think their over under was nine um, and they were the third favorites in the division. They're so, going to blow I mean, past nine. And, and to, to my pick, the Cardinals are five. and I think they'll beat that number. Right. So, I mean, it's just kind of interesting to look at. And it's just more on a rookie head coach. It's just so tough to do for those guys. So Agreed. Agreed. Uh, overachieving to underachieving, Cal, who's been someone that's been more of a disappointment and haven't, <laughs> hasn't done what they thought. I think we may be on the same page here, but we'll see. That's the Cowboys in here. No. Um, dude, this was a hard one for me because the first two teams that came to my mind were the Falcons and the Chargers. But we expect the Falcons and Chargers to shit all over themselves and find a way to not be good, right? So, uh, yes. The team for me that's an underachiever based on expectations, once again, because I think we're, we're expecting Super Bowl comp, um, competing this year, is the Chicago Bears. I've not been impressed by the Chicago Bears one bit, and I think it speaks to the bigger issue is what are they going to do at the quarterback position moving forward so they don't squander this defense that they have. Sure. Yeah, I, I would agree, and uh, I think Akeem Hicks going down has hurt them. Uh, yes. There's just not been a ton of stability, but – and to your point, it's the same offense last year. They can't do anything. So, I, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be a team in the offseason. We'll have fun talking about. Uh, my disappointment, to your point, uh, has to be a team with relatively high expectations, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, oh, wow. Good. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm a big Freddie Kitchens guy. I would, I'll, I'll, I'll say this with a caveat because I, did I didn't have them winning the division anyway. Um, I didn't think that they would be an 11 and five first round by type of team. Sure. But I also didn't think they'd be two and four and us talking about firing Freddie kitchens. Well, and it's the way that they've lost some of these games where they've just looked not like a professional team. I mean, Baker's making terrible decisions. The defense has not been as good as people anticipated outside of miles Garrett. It's really underperformed. Um, and with all the hype surrounding them, I'm with you. I thought they were going to be eight and eight or nine and seven. I don't think they're going to get to 500 though. It's going to be tough, and I mean, in one of their two wins was a resounding victory versus Baltimore. I mean, remember that game? They're a touchdown dog, go on the road, and just mop Baltimore. So it's a team we can't figure out at this point, and they're unfortunately they're zero and three at home and two and one on the road. So maybe they just need to stay on the highway. I guess Cleveland is a a tough place to play. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, for, for your team or against, apparently. But, yeah, I mean, that that's a good one. I think that's uh, – you know, I think they're going to have to do some things in the offseason to figure out, you know, what direction they want to move for, forwards with in the future. Fair enough. Well, let's end to everyone's favorite segment of the show, the best bets. Certainly, J-Mac has texted his in, so no worries there, guys. We did move to, uh, you know, had another winning weekend, five and four overall. That is profitable. That moves us to 28. 19 and one year to date on the show. Um, so Kyle, let's start with college football here. Uh, I, I'll, while you get yours fired up, I'll read off J Max. We have the Texas Longhorns. Is that correct? A minus one over TCU. That's what I got. Yep. Uh, yep. So Texas Longhorns go on the road. It will be here in Fort Worth. Actually, is, is this being played at Jerry World? No, no, no. I believe this is going to be played at uh, TCU Stadium. 
TCU. I thought Jerry World had a game for some reason this weekend. I could have been. I, I definitely we could, we could take a look at that. I mean, either way, it's going to be relatively neutral or at least, you know, 70-30 at TCU Stadium. This is a weird line to me. I mean, Texas feels like they should be favored by a touchdown. I think the reason it's being handicapped that way is, I mean, it would probably be a touchdown in Austin, um, but it's it's at TCU. Look at the last four or five years. Texas has struggled with TCU. But this is a better Texas team than we've seen in the past. So um, I actually kind of like J-Max pick there, although I hope TCU wins. I was shocked that it was only a point. I guess my only concern there with uh, the Longhorns and TCU is, as you've mentioned, Gary Patterson, great head coach. If he finds a way to really slow down Sam Ellinger, because he's been fantastic this year. I mean, UT's defense has obviously been the problem. Dude, so their DBs are beat up and not, and the backups are not good. Yeah, so I, it's going to be – I can't wait. Uh, TCU's got a true freshman quarterback. Fun to watch. Love when Gary starts a true freshman because you know by his junior and senior year these, he's going to have a heck of a team. Oh, Dugan's going to – or Duggan, that kid's going to be a great player. He's just – he's he's – he looks like he's a little uh, a little rattled right now. He's wide eyed every time they they pan to him. But I think that's right. a good pick for for J Mac this week. Yeah, absolutely. So where are you heading for college football there, Kyle? So I'm going to head to uh, to the Big Ten, a conference that we seem to talk about at nauseum, and a conference that we have no read on. So why not go there? Right. I had a team that we kind of dogged on a little bit. I still think they're the second best team in the Big Ten, though. Uh, I'm going to take Penn State. It's moved down. It's opened at six, six and a half. It's at five and a half right now. They are wow. at Michigan State. Um, Michigan State is due for a bounce back game at some point. I don't think this is going to be the one. I think Franklin has these guys locked in. Penn State does have Minnesota next week, so you wonder, is this a look ahead? But I think guys that are around in the Big Ten still take Michigan State more serious than Minnesota, regardless of rankings. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay the five and a half for Penn State. Man, that, that's a, I can't wait for that game. I mean, Penn State has faced Iowa, Michigan, and now Michigan State. That's a gauntlet of a schedule. Yep. And I guess that right now you could throw in the undefeated Gophers as well. So. I think they're going to run through that schedule until they hit a, a brick wall at Ohio State. Oh, I, I hope so. That'd be great to see both of them undefeated. So we're certainly going to look, look into that game. I'm going to take a team that we talked about earlier in the show, Ohio State. I think Kyle both and I agreed minus 14 is a heck of a number. Uh, certainly not getting the value after last week where it could have got minus 10, but uh, neither one of us really saw an area where Wisconsin's going to excel. So I thought about going first half just from them, you know, just that worry if Ohio State gets up 21 and they take the foot off the gas. But no, I, give yourself the full game. They're going to blow, blow them out of the water. Well, I actually did not. I wanted to make this point for you. I did not take Ohio State because I knew you were going. One of the two of you were going to do that. <laughs> nice. Yes, I I love it. I love it because I think we both agree that this just seems like a, a, I think thirty eight three. That's my, that's my guess. Thirty eight three wow. Ohio State. Jeez. All right. Well, let's head to the NFL and uh, on deck here. Make sure we. This has been, I think, kind of our bread and butter to this point. You and J Mac have been absolutely killing it in the NFL this year. So, yep. um, Kyle Beats, we have. J Mac in the NFL going best bet 49ers minus five and a half. Yeah, and that's you know, I think that's one we just talked about. That's fair, right? Yeah, I mean, a Carolina team we think could get slow off the bus after the bye week. Kyle Allen maybe crashing back down to earth. And again, just Jimmy G and Mike Shanahan out scheming folks. I think if they get ahead early, build a 10 nothing lead, lead on Tevin Coleman in that run game, it makes a lot of sense. 
Dude, yeah, I mean, Coleman, Burita, look for, 40, like I said, 40 rushes. I think both teams want to run the ball 40 times here. I don't think, you know, the Panthers' recipe for success is Kyle Allen dropping back 38 times or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what you just hit, hit on the head there, you know, let this defense do their thing on the road. Kyle Allen is going to slip up one of these weeks. I think this is a, a good week for that to be five and a half. I, I, I'm with J-Mac, even though I picked Carolina in our preview. Um, I like that pick from Justice. Man, Dwayne Haskins just overthrew Terry McLaren for a pick. Kirk Cousins couldn't get the fourth and one in their own 30 uh, QB snake, and then Haskins just uh, – I, I mean, I'm starting to almost see why Washington's staff isn't huge on this task. You want to know why QBR is the dumbest stat in the NFL is Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in QBR. And suddenly it has no relevancy. <laughs> oh, where are you heading to NFL, Cal? Man, so I, I had a lot of games I like this week. Where I've settled is the Indianapolis Colts at home, minus six. Ooh. I do not like this Denver Broncos team. They won a couple of games, and I'm thinking, okay, are they are they finally figuring it out? No, this is still Joe Flacco. This is still a team with, you know, they and they get rid of Emmanuel Sanders this week. That's a big deal. We didn't talk about that in the the. Uh, Sure. San Fran game, but that is a yeah. big deal. So they have Cortland Sutton and a bunch of non-weapons, really. The defense is not what it was at the championship level. I think it's still slightly above average, but I think this Colts team is just solid across the board, right? Like, they don't have a QB problem. Jacoby Brissett is a starting QB. Good running game. Great offensive line. T.Y. is healthy. They got, they got enough guys to make plays, and the defense is solid. I, I don't see how the Colts don't win this game by a touchdown. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just not sure if the Colts are there yet on a team that can, you know, go double digit. I, I know it is minus six, but you're essentially asking for a two score. Well, I look at it this way: they they beat the the um, they beat my Houston Texans by a score, and I think Houston is maybe overrated, but still a better team than the Broncos. Sure. Yeah. I, I just to your point, I don't have a great feel on Denver. Every time I think they're done. This team's given up. Then they had that all-in effort, uh, you know, versus the Chargers where they went and destroyed them on the road. So it's just a weird team. Uh, I think it's more of a stay-away game for me, but I, I certainly understand the thinking. Just right. another team coming off a bye. Um, I'm going to head to the – you just mentioned the Houston Texans for their team total over 28. I just think this is a situation where Deshaun Watson's going to go off this week. Uh, certainly some nice matchups for the Houston Texans offense as they move forward. And I think after that game versus Kansas city, I, I think they just have a ton of confidence as they continue to move through their schedule. And, and I, I mean, I know you've been all over the Houston Texans have a lot of great insight, but the Raiders defense, I just don't think has a chance to shop Deshaun Watson no. and new Hopkins. I think Deandre Hopkins is a guy you got to make sure you're firing up this week, try to get him in a trade, throw him in a DFS lineup. But I think this is just a situation like we saw last week, Aaron Rodgers roast this Raiders team. I, I don't want to worry about them getting into a shootout because I do have questions on their on their defensive side because I could see like a 30-27 weird score. So I'm just going to take their team total over when they're at 24 at halftime. I'm just going to sit back and relax. Yeah, I like that a lot. I forget to look at these team totals um, because that's just – it's not like your typical bet, but that's such a great play. I agree with you completely. I think these teams are both going to be able to score on one another. Um, makes me want to look at uh, the Wisconsin team total, and I think you're clearly under that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I bet Wisconsin's team total's got to be 11 and a half. 
right? I mean, got to be somewhere right in there. Yeah, it's it's very low. Yeah, it's uh no, it's it's fourteen and a half. Well, even well, I'm kind of looking under there. I don't know if they put up fourteen points. That that's I don't think so. Yeah. Um. Well, let's head to our underdogs of the week, Kyle. Uh, J Mac is Texas and a team that I certainly have loved to this point. The Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, they head on the road to face uh, the Tennessee Titans, who I mean, barely stuck out. I mean, last week with a victory. They had to have two touchdowns called back, a fumble that was a questionable fumble with a recovery, and then a touchback to get them off of the one-yard line just to kneel it with Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, J-Mac has some ties with Ryan Tannehill. Not sure if he's got some insider information on this week. Maybe Tannehill's throwing the game. We can't be for sure, but if J-Mac's <laughs> going against Tannehill, all I know is lay it with the Bucks or don't lay it, take the points, Take the plus money on the money line because if there's a guy who knows Ryan Tannehill's game the best, it is Jamin. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm with you. I like I like the Bucks a lot in the spot. Love working them into a tease as well. You getting that to eight or nine is feels like almost a lot because Tennessee just can't score. And like you said, I mean, this is an anemic offense. They got lucky to beat the Chargers. That's and that that's just Chargers fashion to lose a game that way. It's crazy to say that. I don't even think the Bucks will piss a game away as bad as the Chargers did, which is insane because James might turn it over six times and they'll still cover this. Yeah, that that was pretty bad. I was sitting there watching that game, and I, I couldn't believe what I saw. Two overturned touchdowns, the fumble. I mean, I know plenty of people have made the jokes, but it literally was exactly how the Chargers lose big games, just like that. Yep. So tough to see. Cal, where are you heading for your dog of the week? Man, I feel uh, I feel nervous about this one. I'm going back to the college ranks where I've been uh, been up and down. I've either just nailed it or been awful. Like every college pick I've had this year, we need to like track this. Has been I've either covered or missed by over like two scores. Love I'm going, that. yeah. I'm going down to uh, to Florida State here, and I'm taking the points for the Syracuse Orange. They're plus ten and a half at Florida State. Wow. Both these teams have underperformed greatly this year. I think this is a game that. We see a lot, a lot of points scored in very strange ways. I just, I don't know if Florida State's going to be able to beat any decent team by by two scores. So I'm going to take the ten and a half for the Orange. And Willie Taggart, a lot of pressure down there in Florida. I love James Blackman. I loved when he came in as a freshman. I just don't think Willie Taggart's system fits him. But Taggart um, looks lost out there. It, I, it is a big adjustment going from. Northwest America, Oregon, down to Southeast Florida. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, big adjustment in what the boosters expect, and uh, I think so. I'll He's leave probably settling in the Eastern Time Zone by now, though. I think it's it's been enough time. The Eastern Time Zone definitely factored into early recruiting. <laughs> I mean, he's just so behind. Um, goodness. Well, my dog of the week is uh, against a team we talked about. I think the Detroit Lions will struggle a little bit here this week. Losing carry on, I, I'm just not sure if they'll be able to kind of adjust with the new two-headed running back. You go from having a bell cow back there that was finally getting his legs under him and asking Matthew Stafford to do more. Um, I think we'll get a little bit better performance this week from Daniel Jones. If you looked at their game versus Arizona, they certainly should have won it. Some untimely turnovers, just kind of a messy game overall. I, I just think plus seven's too much here. I think taking seven with them, asking Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions to beat me by two plus scores. I I just like that. I just think it's, I think there's a little bit of value. I mean, I think this line should be more in the four, four and a half range. I think seven's just too much. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, 
you know, it's tough because the Giants are not a good team, but losing carry on is a bigger deal than people realize. I don't think there's any way the Giants win this game, but I think they cover. I think it's going to be a really tight game, but Detroit will will find a way to win because it's it's in Detroit too. So that yeah, they're they're due for a win, man. They've had some tough with Kansas City with the Packers. I mean, those are good teams that they're keeping it close with. They just you know, even that Minnesota game was 35-30, and they went for a two-point conversion to make a three-point game that failed. So, I mean, yeah. they're, they're keeping these games close. It's, you know, typical Lions, Chargers, Houston Texans type of thing. Um, I think it's a good pick to, to get the full touchdown, though. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think certainly the Lions were a team coming into this week that were very underrated. But now with the carry-on loss, I just think there may be an opportunity for this team to start slower. And I, I'm going to go 23, 20 type of game where may, maybe they do have it, but uh, just enough there. Well, guys, we want to thank you for listening to, to our 25th episode. We certainly enjoyed having you in. Be, please feel free to listen to all of our content at sensibly loud.com. Follow us on Twitter at sensibly loud, Instagram at sensibly loud, Facebook at sensibly loud media and YouTube at sensibly loud media. Feel free to leave any voicemails with questions at 972-885-9361. And we'll certainly be back next week with more picks. Thanks, guys.